when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, babe, what's going on? Hey, Shane, I hear you've gone internet famous for anyone that missed it. Oh, Big Orange Vols out there, he's back into the hype reel game, hadn't you? (laughs) I wasn't going to make a video, Mike, but then I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, you know... It's easy to talk about all the shit plays that happened at the Tennessee-Alabama game. It's a lot easier just to put it on clip. And the problem was, I couldn't fit it all in two minutes, 20 seconds, Mike. You know? But this thing caught fire, and it is all over the place. And uh, I think we're up to 500,000 views now. So, you know what? I'm just, I'm just doing the Lord's work. That's all I'm doing, Mike. I'm just letting the SEC and the SEC officiating know that there was some issues there were some problems, and I swear I've been tagged to SEC officiating all day long. I've seen fights all day long. I mean, these people are just, they hate each other. And, you know, I just, like I said, I just wanted to put it out there so you could see, have visual aids. Yeah, so check that out on Shane's Twitter. Uh, but before we get around the league here, Shane, how about this one? Mike Leach has delivered another gem, and this one's <laughs> on the fact, you know, you're always watching the games, you always see these coaches. They're covering their mouths with either their hand or their play sheet or what have you, and Mike Leach ain't buying it. Uh, Generally not. Generally not because all your games are on film and they see all of them. And then the other thing, and I get a kick out of it, but these same people that are covering their mouth up all the time, you know, like there's lip readers because, you know, there's this, you know, America's always been this huge bastion of uh, lip readers, you know, I mean, starting from kindergarten in some parts of this country, <clears throat> children are raised, raised to read lips. So that's why it's so necessary for coaches to constantly take their game plan or their script and cover up their mouth so <clears throat> you can't read their lips, thereby quickly telling the signal caller on, say, your defense, <clears throat> what you read that their lips said, deciphering it, discovering what play it's going to be, aligning your defense accordingly so they can stuff that play and uh, and get after the offense and do all of that. Well, and maybe substitute so it's even more beneficial to you and do all of that in 20 seconds. But, you know, that's the world we live in. As there's, you know, there's everybody can read lips nowadays and 
So they just adjust uh, their defense or their offense around what they see you saying. So, um, you know, what they ought to do is just give these guys mouth covers. I ought to invent this. <clears throat> and we ought to go together on this since you thought it up. <clears throat> but instead of like a Zorro mask that covers your eyes, we're going to just have one that covers the mouth, you see. And we could sell it to football coaches everywhere. You could have a deal where it kind of attaches on your ears, you know, kind of like eyeglasses, and hangs like right here like a veil. All right, Shane, this is uh, <laughs> something I've always firmly believed in. Uh, I always get annoyed when I'm watching something, whether it be a game or a movie or whatever, what have you, with someone, and uh, they're like, hey, whoa, did you see what he said there with the lip reading? And I'm like, who in the heck knows how to lip read? Because I never could figure it out. And it seems like Coach Leach is right there with me. Apparently everybody can, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've always thought about this myself watching. I'm like, okay, it's one thing to to be able to understand lip reading, okay? But that person has to listen to the like the complete statement. And then he has to decipher and send it to a coach. And by that time, the snap's already gone. I mean, what is the advantage of putting your hand over your mouth? You know, I did. I never saw the advantage. So, uh, and then honestly, the times that they probably should cover is like usually when they're dropping f bombs after a bad play, <laughs> and then they in slow motion you see them dropping that one. You know, it's like yeah, he probably should have covered his mouth on that word. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got another really good clip here, Shane. Former Arkansas, former Ole Miss coach, Houston Nutt. I really wanted to include this because, you know, we've been hard on Chad Morris and the Razorbacks here in recent weeks. We've got to remind everybody that, it, uh, you know, if the Razorbacks got a good coach in there, they can do a lot. Remember this team, I mean, it took this coach, I think it was his first year, second year. I mean, he was in SEC championship contention. Uh, he was yeah. once again at the Little Rock Arkansas Club, and this time, Shane Houston Nutt knows who's coaching there at Arkansas. He he gave a little pep talk here. I just thought this was incredible. Well, you're in the toughest conference in America, the SEC West. I'm talking about the SEC West. I'm not talking about the SEC. I'm talking about the SEC West, and it's the toughest conference in America. And um, you know, these are down times. And uh, to me, though, there's there's always hope. And it's, it starts within the state. And uh, they need you. You know, they need you. You're, you're you what makes it happen, the, the fans. Um, I can remember having some bad times when we were winning games. And I'm going to get real honest with you right here, um, David, that um, it, it's tough when you're recruiting young men and you see planes flying over. It's, it's hard. Um, FOIs, you, you had people really coming after me and my family being threatened and all those things. And you try to keep things together. But I tell you what I love, and Grant Garrett can attest to this, is that the 2007 year, there's nothing stronger than a locker room. You can ask Sam Alajabutu. There's nothing stronger than the team. When you shut the door and say, nobody loves you but your mama and me. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> they don't give us a chance. We're going to Auburn this week. 2002 or 2003, we're going to Auburn. Little bitty guy named Fred Talley. We're playing Coach Tommy Tuberville, who's a good coach. His offensive coordinator is Bobby Petrino. He's a good coach. He's got a defensive coordinator by the name of Gene Chiswick. He's a good coach. Nobody gave us a chance. Nobody. Forgot about one thing. Forgot about an Arkansas Razorback heart. Forgot about their fight. 
You forgot about young men that are in our locker room that would run through a wall, didn't care what any of the outside noise said. To me, that's what it's about. It's about inside. It's about one heartbeat, everybody fighting together. And you got to fight your way out of it right now. The Houston Nut era there at the tail end of the Ole Miss didn't work out. Obviously, he got let go. Uh, he's not coached since. But this clip, I don't know, it just, goes, it just shows you how much love he's got for Arkansas, how you know, what a great motivator he is. And, you know, with all the mm -hmm. – some of the SEC coaching, some of the bad coaching we've had in recent years, I'm not saying Houston Nutt would be an upgrade, but I certainly say he's an upgrade in the motivation factor. That was key, I always mm -hmm. thought, when he was at Arkansas. Uh, what was your emotions when you saw this clip? Yeah, and I, I think this is something that fans should – listen to you know and, and the players and you know you're gonna have you you're, you're in a bad spot all right you've been in a bad spot for a couple of years here but you know it, it's really a big wheel you know you see teams like alabama and uh lsu now you know just these eating high on the hog florida gators it's just like you know they're going to have down years too and and just you're in one right now. If you just hang in there, you know, I, I don't know if Morris is the guy, but I, I'm telling you this right now, Arkansas will not always be the worst team in the SEC. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It does come around and you just got to hang there. And when it happens, just ride it, man. You got to make, you got to ride it high. Uh, you know, these, some of these guys forget, you know, the nineties were fantastic as a Tennessee fan. And then I'll tell you, we've went through some dog days ourselves. So you just got to catch it when it's right. And, and, uh, I like, I like hearing, uh, Houston here because you you can tell that he really does care, uh, care a lot about this university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just think, uh, brighter days are ahead for Arkansas. I just want to remind the fans of what they had because it's been a rough couple years for them. Oh yeah. And how about this news, Shane? Uh, this is, uh, this sounds scary, but, uh, he's kind of making light of the whole situation. I don't know if you caught up with this. Mark Rick announces he had a heart attack, Shane. And he says he's doing fine, uh, but he also said he's going to be at work this weekend covering the games for the ACC Network. But also in his tweet, he said, I had peace knowing I was going to heaven, but I was going to miss my wife. So it sounds kind of serious. And then he followed that up with a following tweet. says, I guess I'm off cheese balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, man. So that's, that's a scary situation, but it sounds like I said, we're only – laughing here because he's kind of making jokes about it but uh sounds like uh, he's gonna make a full recovery and that's awesome you know this guy was always one of my favorite sec coaches when he was in the league so i uh, just thank god he's all right but uh, a scary situation you don't think mark rick you know there, there's uh, no pressure being an analyst i don't i don't really know what's going on here with his health obviously but that was a shocking shocking news here we had here on monday Maybe he's just, you know, he's living wild now that he ain't coaching. You know what I'm saying? You never know. <laughs> Went overseas or something, and you never know what Coach Rick, you know, he's he's been a, a, a by-the-book kind of guy. You know, not it kind of does surprise you because you would think you'd have a lot less stress on him. But, man, uh, as, as, a, as I know personally, you know, your body – you know, you, you ain't control. Sometimes that body's got a mind of its own. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm just glad that he's okay, man. All right. One last note here, Shane. We can hit this quick. I just want – because this happened right before we jumped on the podcast. Uh, this is basketball related. Obviously, we stick to 
to football here, but uh, Kansas and Missouri have just announced that they've agreed to play each other six times in basketball coming up in the seasons to come. And the only reason I bring this up, Shane, because this is one of those great rivalries that we lost with the you know, Missouri coming over to the SEC, Kansas and them, for whatever reason, are, are not meeting on the football field anymore. But I just got to feel that uh, Missouri and Kansas are meeting on the basketball court. I'm just hoping that uh, once again they'll meet on the football field because, uh, you know, Missouri fans, they deserve this game. College football fans, they deserve this game. Uh, you know, we've been very open about how we feel about Texas and A&M. They need to get back on the field as well. But I, I just, it just seems like this is an olive branch being extended, and I'm just, I'm just happy this to see that these two schools are, are back at it a little bit. Absolutely. And if you think anybody's going to reach out to the SEC, it's going to be less. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, and say what you want, man. He's They haven't had the greatest season, but, you know, he he's had some really close games, man. He, I mean, he about took down a, a juggernaut this weekend. They're just usually a couple series away courts. That's the less we know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Sorry. You ready to go around the league? Yeah, let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, before we get into the news around the league, uh, let's jump into the same thing we do every Tuesday morning because the SEC has announced the kickoff times for Week 10. Obviously, we're in Week 9, so this is two weeks out. I believe this is uh, November 2nd games, but we just want to run down these games real quick, starting with uh, we just go in order of the, the kickoff times. The, the only noon game on the docket, Shane, Texas-San Antonio at Texas A&M. That's going to be a noon kickoff on SEC Network. CBS SEC game. We already knew this one. It was already official, but uh, it's going to be a hell of a game here, Shane. Georgia, Florida in Jacksonville. Can't wait for that matchup. Mississippi State at Arkansas. That's going to be a 4 o'clock kick on SEC Network. And then we've got three night games here. Ole Miss at Auburn at 7 o'clock on ESPN. UAB at Tennessee. That's also a 7 o'clock kick on ESPNU. And then the final game here, Vanderbilt at South Carolina, 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network. Any thought on those games there? I'm just in my mind trying to figure out how I'm going to watch all these damn things. I wish they would have put somebody at 12. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Nothing against San Antonio, but, you know, I think the Vandy game would have been really good there at the 12 spot. But uh, we're going to roll with it, Mike. I like it. I don't. The only other issue I have with this slate, Shane, Mississippi State at 
Arkansas. It's uh, 30 minutes after Georgia-Florida, but basically the same time there. I don't like how they stack two SEC games there. I wish they would have spread that out because it's going to be it's going to be tough to watch Mississippi State Arkansas when you got yeah. the cocktail party going on. So, like you said, maybe kick kick that one down to noon. Uh, I mean that that would be a, a hell of an appetizer going into this cocktail party. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Mike. Oh, I and like uh, it. the last uh, kickoff news here: they jumped ahead th- uh, three weeks. They did announce LSU at Alabama is going to be the CBS game, three thirty kick. So it's not going to be the night game. Everyone's kind of pissed about that, but apparently CBS used up their night game for Georgia-Notre Dame. So it's going to be kind of interesting that that game's not at night. Yeah, I can't use them lights. Well, they will at the end there. So <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I thought they had like a, a two flexes. I thought they could flex two night games. So they could just do it once, and that was the they, – they wasted it on not, – not the same wasted. I mean, it was a great game, but – Georgia Notre Dame that was their only one that they could do yeah I guess so so at the tail end of the season they will have a couple double headers but I think they're noon and then 330 kicks yeah okay all right man we're gonna roll with it I mean it's gonna be a hell of a game (laughs) well speaking of LSU Shane let's jump on down to Baton Rouge go Tigers where Coach O met with the media here on Monday and uh, obviously they're playing Auburn we gotta wait until Tuesday for Gus Malzahn to kind of preview the Tigers. But, uh, you know, this is such a big matchup. Wanted to start with it, maybe just look at it from the LSU perspective. But, you know, it's interesting. We'll get to these clips in just a minute, Shane. But I can't believe for the life of me, I know LSU, you know, everybody's on the bandwagon now. I'd like to think that uh, we were we were some of the first on the bandwagon, I'd like to say. I'm very high on LSU, number one in my SEC power rankings. They've been there more often than not. But the only other team, Shane, that I've had up there since the season started is the Auburn Tigers. Let's not forget, this is a damn good team that, yes, they didn't look great against Florida, but their defense still held their own. If Bo Nix has himself a day, if they get that ground game going, we've seen LSU been susceptible to being run on a little bit. I'm not ready to overlook this game. I, it just It's interesting. It seems like a lot of people are already like, all right, let's get ready to this LSU-Alabama matchup. Uh, LSU's going to have their hands full against Auburn, I think. Yeah, I, and it feels like one of those, you know, similar to that uh, LSU-Georgia game last year. You know, it's like we, we expected Georgia to win that thing, and the next thing you know, the Tigers took it. You know, mm-hmm. I, it just feels like one of those, and I don't want to get sucked in. I, I mean – LSU's done nothing but impress since the season started, so I don't want to. I don't want to put them in that basket because they've not really had that letdown game. So if they keep their foot on the gas, I think they'll be fine. But yeah, this Auburn's not an. I mean, it's not an easy test. Now, how about this, Shane? Because we're all looking at Joe Burrow. I think on the previous podcast we said he should be the Heisman favorite. If they beat Alabama, he's going to win it. So they got the quarterback. We know they got the receivers. We know they got the running backs. I'm not saying their offensive line is like some weakness or anything, but going up against this Auburn defensive front, what happens if Auburn's defense rises to the occasion, dominates the day up front? Can LSU, I don't know, I'm I'm not saying they'll totally go in the tank here, but can they survive a game in which their suspect offensive line at times gets dominated by arguably the best defensive line in the SEC? 
Yes. And I say that because of Joe. Joe's very athletic. Um, you know, a lot of people talking about his great arm, but mm-hmm. the kid also knows when to tuck the ball and run. And that little mobility factor, that ability he's going to have to move around in that pocket because they are going to be bringing it. I, I just think that he's just a little too athletic to let this thing get carried away. So I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I think Coach is going to bring in everything that he can. I'm sure he's going to have these boys pin their ears back. But I don't think LSU is just going to uh, try to get in the shootout either. They they are a very balanced team, and I think they're going to do just enough to keep Auburn on their heels. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Well, let's kick it over to Coach O, who talked about uh, Derek Brown and this incredible Auburn defensive line. And, and obviously, keep in mind, Coach O, for years and years, a defensive line coach, so this is his baby, and this, that's still the position group he helps coach at LSU when he's not doing his head coaching activities, so there may not be a better defensive line coach in the SEC. Uh, on LSU's win streak, I guess Auburn and Death Valley, which goes back to 1999, and I've still, I was dumbfounded, I don't know who asked this question, but on Overlook and Auburn, uh, I'm not buying that, but uh, uh, let's kick it over to Coach O. Ed, you mentioned the defensive line's best y'all have seen yet. I mean, Florida was that. What ways does Auburn do things differently that make it difficult in the, to block their front? You know, you look at a guy like Derrick Brown, who's that big and physical. Uh, nobody that we, we, we face so far has been that big and physical, and he's very, very disruptive. They put him in a four technique. They put him in a three technique. Uh, he's hard to match one-on-one. You have to double-team him, but, you know, Marlon Davidson's a good pass rusher. Uh, these guys get most of their rushers with a four-man rush. Uh, they can stop the run and play too high safety. Uh, they're very physical. Coach, there's a lot of talk of Auburn up the middle defensively, and we, we talked a lot about the tackles, I feel like, this season. But what about some of those interior guys? You hit on Ingram, but what about those two other guards? And yeah. uh, how, how do you feel about their current level of play? Yeah. Dilo was playing very well. Dilo was physical. Uh, Dilo was hard to overpower. He's getting up to the second level and doing a fine job. The guy that surprised the year to me is Adrian McGee. I thought that uh, Ed Ingram would come. I said it the first week. I thought Ed, Ed, Ed was going to start. But Adrian has hold on and experience. He's playing well there. Are they playing great? No, they're not playing great. But you know what? I thought the line is the most improved group. They did good against Florida, but they're going to test it this. They're going to get tested this week, and more up the middle, as as you alluded to, they're going to get tested. Auburn hasn't won here since 1999, which is before a lot of your players were born. I know you've only been here for the last two times playing Tiger Stadium. Yeah. What in a series that's so competitive as this? What what can you attribute that to? Yeah. Well, obviously the home field advantage. I think is huge, no question. Now, we won there last year, so I mean, we must, we must have bucked the trend a little bit. And, and uh, you know, although they haven't won here, I, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that, Ted. But I don't think it means a hill of beans come Saturday. And I know they're not listening to it. Not, my team better not listen to it because this is a good football team. It'll be a big matchup. And uh, but I do believe that the home field uh, advantage is something for LSU. It's always been for LSU. Has been phenomenal. Ed, right here in the middle. Uh, you saw Wisconsin last week. They're supposed to play. They're playing Ohio State this week. Last week they overlooked Illinois and got beat. Yeah. Is it almost a positive that obviously you have a huge game coming up in three weeks, but that Auburn's a top ten team. They're not some team that's under five hundred. Is a is it almost 
better for your players that you're going to have their full focus because there's obviously some massive games coming up in the next yeah. few weeks. Yeah, you know, one, one, and, and some of the stuff that you're saying is, is, is right for most teams. But I think for this team, uh, they're so focused in on the task at hand, and, and uh, they understood. They made some some goals, and, and we talked about some things before the season, where we want to go, and we're right on track. And this is always about LSU. It's about the LSU standard of performance. Now, does Auburn have our attention? Heck, yeah. Is, is this a great rivalry game in the SEC? Yes. So what, whatever's down the road is going to wait down the road. But this, you know, Florida was a big game, right? Well, Mississippi State was a big game. And the more you win, the bigger they're going to get. So this is a big game in Baton Rouge. That means a lot to our football team. And I don't think at all that they'll look, be looking past the open date, whatever, down the road. All right, Shane, if you can recall, the last time Auburn came into Death Valley, I believe the score was 20-3 to Auburn in the third quarter. They had complete control of this game. And then it was a punt return touch. I think it was a I think it was a touchdown. I know it was a punt return for sure, but that was the spark that LSU needed. They reeled off at an incredible second half comeback and beat Jarrett Stidham and in Gus Malzahn, and that was a damn frustrating day for the Tigers. But uh, I don't know. Anytime you start hearing this hype, you know LSU, LSU, and Auburn can't win in Death Valley. I don't know, Shane. It's uh, and then remember, it's not a night game because this is the the one yeah. the CBS selected. So. I'm not putting them on upset alert shade, but <laughs> I just think uh, I still think Auburn's got a, you know, they have a realistic shot. I know they're, I think they're ranked number ten right now, but they get Georgia at home, they get Alabama at home. This is going to be the key game. If they get this one, I mean, they can make a real run at the college football playoff. You know, I mean, one thing about LSU is like they, I mean, obviously, I I, I think their offense is fantastic. Okay. But their defense has had moments of weakness. And we all have seen when Auburn is able to establish the run that they could be a very, very difficult offense to stop. And so I think that that opportunity is always going to loom, uh, you know, with, with LSU. Just, just, I mean, we're just going off track record what's happened this season. So you can't count Auburn out. But – Again, it's a tall glass of water, man, because mm-hmm. LSU right now is clearly the best team in the nation, and they just cannot be stopped. I mean, they've been slowed down, but they have not been stopped at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just trying to give these people hope, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, but I, I want to be, be realistic. And would it surprise me if Auburn upset LSU? Absolutely not. They have got what it takes to do that. They got an impressive. They got an amazing defense. Mm-hmm. They've got weapons in offense, but they do got a true freshman quarterback that has shown that he is not always perfect. Right. But when he is on, he's impressive. So is this that game? I don't know. Does he rise up? I don't know. But so to to just say that it can never happen, I, I, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not. Say, I'm not trying to not give Auburn hope. I'm just saying that they're going to have to play a perfect game to stop this team. I mean, this defense is going to have to be 
playing fundamental football, man. They cannot let down at any moment because if they do, next thing you know, one of these stud receivers is running down the field 70 yards for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And uh, more good news here for LSU, Shane. This is certainly going to help their cause. Terrence Marshall, who broke his foot against Vanderbilt, he's scheduled to return for this game so he'll get a little warm-up before Alabama. And then their left tackle, Sadiq Charles, is also set to play, according to Coach O. So LSU is looking to be healthy at the right time. This is this is a damn dangerous team right here. Yeah. It's going to be at night, right? No, this is the CBS 330 game. Oh, three. Okay. Sorry, my bad. I thought, for some reason, I thought this was a night game. But so Auburn has it one down here since 99? Yep, that's correct. <laughs> that's crazy. Man, Auburn's had some good ball clubs too, man. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not – okay, I'm not trying to make Auburn feel bad because there is a chance, okay? Every, every, anything can happen, man. It's just been 20 years since they've done it. <laughs> All right, let's kick it down to College Station, Shane, where Jimbo Fisher met with the media here on Monday. Gigam Aggies. And the Aggies kind of survived on the road. We kind of covered that on the last one there in Oxford. Now they got to face the other team from Mississippi. They're facing the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. And this would be a crucial matchup, Shane, because the way Texas A&M is playing, I don't have a lot of confidence in them to blow out a team like Mississippi State. And we saw the Bulldogs... Now, they could go in the tank. I certainly don't think that's out of the question, but they showed a ton of fight against LSU, and I thought that result last week in Starkville had more to do with the fact of LSU just being so damn good. I don't think I think it had less to do with Mississippi State not putting up a fight. If they put up another fight like that against uh, the Aggies here, against these fighting Jimbo Fishers, I think this could be another good ball game. Yeah, Mike, I, I'm with you on that one. It feels like... Like, this team is getting stronger as the season goes on. Now, they had a tough matchup last week, but, damn, they brought it, man. They were bringing everything. They didn't leave anything on the field. They really did give everything they had. I truly believe that. And if they can keep doing that, they can be competitive against teams like Texas A&M. Now, Texas A&M's doing kind of the same thing, man. They're, they're finding ways to win these games, but – they're doing it. Uh, the defense is, I think, getting better. I think the offense is improving. There's little things. I mean, Texas A&M is also extremely young, and and I I think these guys are both on an upward trend. And this could be a hell of a game, Mike. Yeah, and I think it's going to come down to some explosive plays. We saw that last weekend in Oxford. Uh, it was Jerry on Ely. You know, hit the Aggies for a 69-yard run. I believe uh, Plumtree hit him for a big one. I think it was called back. It was a touchdown that was called back. And then Snoop Connor also hit him for another big one. So, you know, the Aggies, they have a good run defense, but at times they've they just given up that big play. And, and sometimes mm -hmm. you, can, you can stop someone all game long, but if you give up a big play or two, I mean, that's, that's how you lose a ball game at times. And when you got runner like Kylan Hill, you got a quarterback like Garrett Schrader who likes to run, Texas A&M cannot let up. That's all it's going to take to potentially be the difference in this game. So let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher on his team giving up these big plays on the ground. And uh, I thought this was also an interesting comment on 
Uh, it was uh, the fumble return touchdown that really won them the game here against Ole Miss on ha- and how that can kind of spark the team, spark not just a, a player or a single game, but potentially the rest of the season. Jimbo kind of weighed in on that. Yeah, Jimbo, um, of the 250 rushing yards that y'all gave up, I think 175 of those came on five plays. That's is, that, is that encouraging or discouraging? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you, you say that. But, you know, and a lot of times when you do play teams like that, I mean, not teams like that, but teams that have a lot of – I mean, that's the way it always – that's why I keep talking about big plays. You know what I'm saying? And you've got to stop them. And that's the thing. One – like the one run on the, the first play of the second half. We've got two guys perfectly there to make the play. We just fit it wrong. I mean, one gap over. I mean, literally, people say, well, is it, a big, is it easily fixed? Yes. But it's like the difference of me being right here to right here and, in, and the angle in which you come at it with. So that's the technique. I mean, that's just ball, and that's the gap. That's the gap. They slip through and make a big run. And we have, we have it accounted for and perfect. And make a, make a critical mistake, but then come back and play very well. And then, like you say, well, one mistake. I only made one mistake. Okay. But how big was that mistake? You know what I'm saying? And it's like on offense. Like there's times I – mean, we had it the other day. We had a double move, got it protected well, but just get walked back into the – I mean, just physically caught us under a pad, and we were rubbing off from bang to bang from guy. When sometimes when you do it, you're up a little high, got caught, got knocked back into Kellen. He's making a throw, and it's going to be a – whether we catch him, I mean, it's going to be – I have a chance to have a really open touchdown, and it goes there. But that mistake that you made, and then you played good the rest of the game. That one mistake might have cost you seven points. That happened once in the Auburn game this year on a, on, a, on a situation with a guy. And that's why I say when they happen, how they happen, a lot of times you don't notice those things. But then other times you do because of the result of the play or the type of game it is. And that's that simple. Is it very fixable? Yes. You just got to limit those things and not have those four or five mental breakdowns on leverage and fits. And that's what you can't have. Looking at the team's perspective and, and Buddy being able to recover that fumble, I know, Defense. I know you guys are always stressing ball hawking, getting the ball. But do you feel like that can get something going on? Oh, defense? no doubt. I mean, it's it's like anything. Hey, it's like you know, somebody tells you something all the time. It can happen. It can happen. And you say yeah, and all of a sudden, and it never happens, or it doesn't happen enough. And all of a sudden, it starts to happen. You say, then you just it naturally that, that flow of things just naturally happen. That's kind of how the conf- your confidence grows, and and your perspective on things of just keep playing plays. That's why I was so happy this team in that game when things weren't as going as well, look as good at certain situations, just kept playing on the road. And you got a lot of young guys sometimes that can get frustrated, and all of a sudden that strip sack comes, you get a big score. Now you say, you know, the things that we're saying as a coaching staff and as an organization are happening, and we're making them happen. I can do this. You know what I'm saying? And that's all part of the confidence growing, the team growing, and our unity and growing and, and belief in what we're doing. All right, Shane. So this is going to be a really interesting game to me because there's so much youth on both sides it's two teams still trying to, you know, it seems like they're really, I don't want to say don't understand the system, but they're still kind of struggling to find their place at times. Texas A&M running the ball, Mississippi State at times, basically in the entire offense. They both have two really good defensive coordinators who at times their their units look dominant and other times they look terribly suspect. I'm just not really sure what to make of this game going into it. I think what you're looking for, man, is they're still searching for an identity. You know, I think Mississippi State had a formula going into this season, and that formula was thrown right out the window, you know, and they're having trouble running the ball. Um, does Hill get back on track? Are they able to make this a, a run-happy offense? Or do they just rely – you know, the bearded trader and, and getting the yards when he can get. I mean, it's just, I don't, 
I don't know what the identity of this offense is just yet. And same could be say, said with Texas A&M. I really think that they're doing everything they can to establish a running game. And, and Spiller did a little bit better last week, but I still don't think it's up to Jimbo's standard. So how much are they going to be able to run against this Mississippi State team? Because, you know, there's been a lot of teams struggle in that department against this defense. Mm-hmm. Well, you hit on it there. Let's jump on down to Starkville, where Joe Moorhead met with the media here on Monday. And he wasn't quite as passionate as we saw him last weekend, obviously, with the disappointing result there against LSU. He was certainly happy with his team's effort, but their their execution was poor. This is another one, you know, we, we kind of hit on it, where these Mississippi State teams under Joe Moorhead just night and day different at home as they are on the road for the most part. They cannot afford to be off their game if they're going to go into College Station and beat the Aggies because the Aggies are gaining some momentum. They're gaining some confidence. And Mississippi State, I don't want to say they, they're lacking confidence, but the results haven't been there. So it's really, to me, when we see Mississippi State struggle, it's because they've not been able to get Kylan Hill going. He's that big a part of their offense. Yes, Garrett Schrader looks like a very promising talent, and I think he's the future of Mississippi State. But for right now, it's got to be Kylan Hill. It's got to be that offensive line leading the way. They have struggled in recent weeks. So let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead talking about the, the offensive line and the issues they've been having on Kylan Hill, getting him going and how important that is. And then uh, finally, he was asked about Garrett Schrader and just how much further he has to go to grow in this system. Hey Joe, how do you assess the offensive line play in the last few weeks, particularly maybe in the, in the run game? Do you feel like they're up to your standards, or what are you kind of saying on film? Yeah, I, I don't think we were particularly physical uh, in the run game against Tennessee and didn't protect very well. You know, gave up seven sacks. I thought we came back and against this front, you know, I thought we protected very well. Only gave up two sacks. I'm not sure that 18 had any. Uh, and kind of what they do schematically. I'm not sure it wasn't for a lack of effort and a lack of physicality, but you know, LSU is pretty dang good up front. You know, they had them, them three big space eaters in the middle, and those guys that hold their gaps. The linebackers run, they fit the safeties and run support. So I thought we were improved from Tennessee, but not necessarily where we need to be from a run game perspective. And, you know, I thought, you know, that's something that, to get the run game, uh, you know, backheaded where we want it to be. That we, we've got to, you know, once again, you know, play with that same kind of effort, but create a little more push up front in the run game. Steve? Coach, you got a guy like Kylan Hill and you tried to get him a little more involved and had him out in the pass pattern a little more, but, but when he's having some games that are maybe not up to his expectations, how do you kind of keep him on the path? Yeah, I, I thought that was one thing that was a positive from Tennessee to, uh, to LSU was Kylan's response. We talk to our kids all the time about two things you have to be good at, response to prosperity and response to adversity. Because in football and in life, things aren't always going to go the way you want to. And it's easy to be excited, it's easy to be energized, it's easy to be in the front of the line when things are going well. But tough times of test character, they reveal it. And I thought Kylan did a much better job, you know, staying positive, staying with his teammates when things don't go his way. And, you know, listen, I, I want as much as anybody for him to be able to come out and rush for 150 or 200 yards a game, you know, and, and kind of early in the season, I think may have set that expectation. But when you're playing against the defenses in this league and the line of skirmish football league, there, there are going to be games where he don't hit 150 or he don't hit 100 or, you know, maybe he hits 50. Uh, and the thing that I'm most excited about right now is we're, we're averaging more pass yards than we are rushing yards. You know, we want to continue to get the rush yards up. But in the past, prior to last year, 
when that would happen, you'd fall back and you'd lean on the pass game. You know, and you would protect and you would get open and you would throw the ball. And because of some of our results in, in the pass game last year, I would say it changed my mindset, but I've got to get back to the mentality where if that's not working and they're taking away the run game, either by their personnel or our inability to get it going, you know, we're protecting well right now. We're getting open. You see a bunch of, you know, I think Osiris and Stephen Gidger are both a couple catches away from surpassing everything from last year and from a yard standpoint. Dedrick producing, Isaiah coming back strong, you know, Farad having a nice thing, you know, Garrett throwing the ball accurately. And, and that, that's where when we get to where we want to get to, and I understand it's a process offensively, this is an incredibly long answer to a short question, so bear with me. I promise it's going to When the run games gets slowed or shut down, and that happens sometimes in this league, just, just that's, you go back to the Clemson, uh, you know, you got to be able to throw the ball. And right now, I'm feeling much more comfortable. If that's getting shut down, we're going to work to get it going. But you also got to be able to pass the ball with confidence and efficiency and effectiveness. And I think we're growing towards it. Joe Garrett's got a couple games in by now. Would you say that he has a firm grasp of the playbook, or does he still have a little bit left to learn there? He has a lot. He has a ton left to learn. Miles and miles and miles. And that's a good thing because he's a true freshman. And uh, you talk about not just the what's, but the hows and the whys. And every experience for him is like, you know, when they say tabular, it's like blank slate. You know what I mean? He comes in and he's, he's learning a new thing over and over again. And, and the first time, he does it maybe the first time he sees it. And some of those things were happening throughout the course of the game. But I think the good thing is he can beat with his arms, he can beat with his legs, he makes some plays by design, some by improvisation. But every single snap that he takes in practice and during the course of the game is going to make him better and better and better for the next game, for the rest of the season and down the road. So, yeah, you know, I think he knows the majority of the playbook. There's some things we're going to continue to develop with him. But there's also some things as a true freshman, you know, just like the kid at Auburn, just like, you know, probably the kid at Tennessee that, you know, it's all learning experience for him. All right, so let me put it to you this way, Shane. If Kylan Hill kind of returns to form, if this offensive line, which has been struggling, kind of, I don't want to say manhandles Texas A&M's defensive line because I, I don't think they're capable of doing that, but if they match them, if they don't get blown off the ball on Saturday in College Station, Kylan Hill has a big game. Can Mississippi State win this game? Yes, but I think the reason that Hill is struggling – is because Schrader is not passing the ball enough. You kind of saw this with uh, Tennessee, and I hate to keep going back to Tennessee, but here you got a freshman quarterback coming in, and as soon as we got vertical, as soon as we started stretching the field with the passing game, the running game opened up. Mm -hmm. They're not able – they haven't been able to do that yet. Now, they're getting a little bit better, but I still think that they need to let Schrader throw – let him stretch this field. Let him create those lanes for Hill because Hill's not all of a sudden a bad running back. He's just got eight in the box. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes nine. I mean, they really they really pin mm -hmm. their ears back for this running game. And, and why not? Because if it's not Hill running, it's usually Schrader. So, yeah, they're going to have a loaded box. So they got to get this passing game going first. And if they do that, the running game will follow. Yeah, that's a good point. Texas A&M's secondary has been susceptible to the big play as well. So that may be, may be one of those situations where they pass to set up the run. It'll be interesting to see if Joe Moorhead takes that route. And, you know, and it, something about Schrader, I love how Coach has finally just done it. You know, he's pulled the trigger. He's, we got a freshman quarterback. This guy is our future. We're going to let him play. And you've seen this so many times around the league. Now, 
I, I know we're not even talking about these teams, and I hate keep bringing it up, but it's a hot damn mess right now. Who is your future quarterback at Arkansas? Probably K.J. Jefferson. Why not cut him loose, man? Well, I mean, why can't this be his year of growing pains? Why do we have to wait to next year for him to have those bumps? I mean, what do you got to lose? Do like Mississippi State. Do like Tennessee. Do like South Carolina. You know, mm-hmm. just cut them loose. Let this be the season that they grow, and then next year you're right in the mix. But it just it blows my mind, some of these coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane, let's kick it over to – the other, the last matchup we have on this episode, Arkansas at Alabama. Let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where we got, I mean, there's not a whole <laughs> lot to uh, build up this one, Shane. Uh, the spread, much like last week, Alabama's a five-touchdown favorite against the Razorbacks. But I will say, obviously, two is out. So this offense changes completely with Mac Jones. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it didn't look that good against Tennessee, I didn't think. I mean, he, he started to gain some confidence. but uh, And I think Arkansas could have some success stopping the run. I don't know how – you know, I'm not saying they're, they're favored in that matchup going against against Alabama's offensive line and, and running attack, but I don't think they'll be completely overwhelmed in that aspect. And then mm-hmm. if you think back to last season, I don't know how much – you know, I'm not a big believer in one season translates to the next, but – no SEC team scored more on Ar- on Alabama than Arkansas, Shane. So maybe old <laughs> Chad, Chad Morris. How funny would it be, Shane? Chad Morris don't know how to coach against anyone else but Nick Saban. Uh, that may be the formula here. Without Tua, we putting them on upset alert? <laughs> no. But I will say this, man, and I, I hate to be big that drum, Mike. They had a, little, they had a tough time stopping Plumtree down there. Mm-hmm. You know who else is a mobile quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Cut him loose. Cut him loose. Just let him loose. I mean, here here they're preparing for Ben Hicks all week or Nick Starkle all week. Mm-hmm. And then KJ shows up. I mean, that's what you gotta do if you plan on beating teams like Alabama. You gotta think outside the box, man. Yeah, I mean Alabama's always historically had issues stopping quarterbacks that can run and throw so you may be on to something there Shane but uh, before we jump down to what Chad Morris had to say uh, let's kick it over to Nick Saban on uh, the latest update on Tua and then he had a lot to say here on Mac Jones and his performance against Tennessee and the offense with him moving forward and then finally I just thought this was a nice little clip here on uh, the trait that Saban really centers in on on being a good leader you know an update on Tua you know, the surgery was successful. Um, there's no real timetable, you know, for his return, but the expectation is is he will be uh, non-weight-bearing for several days, uh, and then he'll be able to come back uh, as his rehab allows him. Uh, so we're hopeful that, you know, in a 10-day period, he'll be, you know, back being able to do pretty active-type rehab, and we'll see how it goes from there. But these things are pretty unpredictable at this point into the situation? Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, he didn't do anything that really hurt us in the game. Uh, I think that, um, you know, he had two balls that were dropped, you know, that were critical situations in the game. Uh, the one play that he scrambled on third down where he could have thrown the ball, uh, I would assume that if you ask him, he would say, I wish I would have thrown the ball. 
because we'd have made a first down and the guy was open. But uh, I mean, all in all, I thought he handled the situation really well. And um, you know, it's a difficult circumstance to get thrown into. Uh, and you know, we, we've got a lot of confidence in Mac. And um, you know, with a week of preparation, I think he'll uh, do a lot better in this game. You've talked about Mac Jones' growth in his ability to play the next play, but where have you seen the biggest strides in his game, and what has he been working on primarily this season? Well, I, I, you know, I think every player is trying to, you know, work on consistency and performance. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't care if you're playing quarterback or left tackle or right tackle or right corner. You know, every player has something that they can improve on. You know, we talk about. You know, our players always trying to work toward perfection, knowing that they can't get there, but somewhere along the way they get to some point of excellence. And uh, I think with Mac, it's not a matter of, you know, arm talent or ability. It's, um, you know, staying focused and being able to execute on a consistent basis and make good choices and decisions and, you know, not think about it too much and just, you know, take what the defense gives. And uh, when he's done that, he's been very, very effective, and that's what we've you know, work with him on, you know, throughout the season. And for the most part, he's done a pretty good job of that. Uh, Nick, you mentioned the responsibility that each player has on Saturday after the game. Um, what is your, what is the most important trait of a good leader, in your opinion? I'm not sure I understand the question or the first part of the question, but, um, well, you know, the trademark of a good leader to me is the first thing you have to do is be committed to doing things correctly yourself. Uh, because it's important if you're going to be a leader to set a good example for other people. Uh, you've got to be somebody that somebody wants to emulate and you've got to care enough about other people to help them for their benefit. So you've got to be willing to serve. And, um, you know, we have some guys that do a really good job of that on our team. and. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be important that they step forward this week. All right, Shane. So I think this game, while it probably is not going to be very competitive, it may tell us a lot about Mac Jones and what Alabama's offense can do with a week to game plan with Mac, Mac Jones in the lineup because we're still not sure that two is going to be back for LSU. So that, that may be the biggest takeaway from this one is just how this Jones kid can play. If, you know, like I said, obviously he wasn't too impressive against Tennessee, but sometimes it's hard when you're not getting all the reps, you're not expected to go. You know, these coaches talk about taking all these mental reps. That's good. That's all well and good. But uh, I think that's kind of coach speak. Once you yeah. get, once you're in there the whole week as the starter, getting all the reps, I, I think we really should see Mac Jones take a step forward here against Arkansas. Well, I've said it in the past. I really think Saban likes Mac Jones type quarterbacks. You know, I mean, Tua runs a lot of RPOs, but it really feels like a lot of run pass options. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because when he was removed, did you notice how the, the rushing game picked up? And I don't really think that it was script. I think that these RPOs became truly RPOs and they were ready to run more than they were willing to pass. So, I, I think Saban slows the game down this week. I think his defense is going to get a lot of rest, and they're not going to get as beat up as they have in the past because they're not going to be on the field as much. So um, I think this is this is an interesting 
situation that they're going to be in this week because I don't think it's going to be the Bama we've seen the last two years. This is going to be the Bama we saw three, four years ago, you know? It sounds like, Shane, you're thinking we may have a little bit of a quarterback controversy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying I'm, Tua is one of a generation. I think, I think everybody. I mean, they're going to have a statue. What if Al- Alabama comes out here in this game and runs for 500 yards and and he's just elite at handing the ball over and it doesn't turn that's, it over? I mean, that's saving I, ball. Saving balls, game management, man. It's not. It's not forcing these. It's not getting in a shootout. It's controlling. Mm. It's time of possession. It's good defense. It's line of scrimmage. That's what I think they got away from. And, um, and and the problem with that concept is Bama doesn't have to use this shootout mentality but three or four games a year. And, you know, if they have one bad game, then they got a nail. They lost, you know. So, mm-hmm. But if you can control the line of scrimmage, if you can run the ball, if you can get those playmakers, the like scripted plays, I, I think – you know, you're going to always be playing from ahead. And I think that's what Saban likes. But, again, I I'm, I'm, I may be wrong. Who knows? Saban may just love to air this thing out. You know, I don't know. Well, but, how about this, Shane? And, so, you just got me thinking. I, clearly, I was just kidding about quarterback controversy. We all know Tua. I mean, he's yeah. the best Alabama quarterback of all time probably. What happens in this game? Not saying this this will happen, but we all know the weapons Arkansas has. We all know how hard, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, and this is this is not a typical Alabama defense. They're, they're a notch below this year. We know the weapons the Razorbacks have. Devois Whaley, these receivers, C.J. O'Grady. What it, just in some crazy world, let's say Arkansas scores a ton on Alabama, and Alabama is forced to play a shootout style, try to outscore Arkansas. Can Mac Jones get that done? I mean, I don't think we have any idea. We don't. We don't. I mean, is there any possibility we bring a baby to in? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is is he going to get some playing time? You know, he looked okay during spring ball, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen him since. And uh, obviously, Coach was not hesitant in bringing in Mac. So, um I don't know, man, to be I mean, honest that, with that would you. Be, that would be fascinating to see, wouldn't it? I'd love to watch it. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I think you've just gave, given him his new nickname, Baby 2. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's kick it over to the other side of this one. Chad Morris on uh, what he sees here in Alabama without two in the lineup uh, on their successful you know, plan of attack against Alabama last year. That's something these Razorback fans are clinging to. It's the one thing Chad Morris has done right. And then uh, on what it would take for him to switch up quarterbacks because it seems like everybody's getting on the KJ train, Shane. Mm-hmm. Just with two out, just what do you look for from Alabama's offensively and and their backup quarterback starting? Well, first of all, they're, they're, there's not many deficiencies on that football team. Um, and when you look at, at uh, you know, Mac Jones came in the other night and, and uh, you know, they'll do a great job of preparing a plan for him uh, to what he can execute and execute at a high level. Um, you know, they've got, they've got a great supporting cast around him. Um, 
you know, a wide receiver core that, that you can look all you want. There's not many deficiencies. Um, the speed that they have, um, you know, and, and then obviously being able to run the ball with, with Harris um, is, uh, is very effective. So, uh, you know, these, you know, Mike's going to, they'll have a plan for him. And, but uh, as far as deficiencies and looking, I mean, you're a quarterback at Alabama and, and a program of that caliber, you, you're a really good football player. But he was playing behind a really good one too. So, yeah, the, the game plan you had offensively for Alabama last year. When you moved the ball, you scored points on them. Do you have to? Can you can you rely on that some? Do you have to tweak a little, expecting them to make changes? How does that chess game work out? Well, I mean, you know, again, we we've got to continue to try to be as creative as we can in, in moving the football and and um, attacking the weaknesses if if there is any. Uh, we hadn't found found too many. They are very very talented, very young defensively. Uh, starting four true freshmen um, up front, uh, two backers and two D linemen. Um, is sound in the secondary. They're very experienced, and that's the best part of their football. Their defensive unit is, is, is if there is such, I mean, they, they, they stand out uh, very experienced. But um, they've, got a, uh, they've got a great core on that side of the ball. We've got to do a good job of, of not turning the ball over and, um, and, and getting in some type of consistency of, of running and throwing the ball and, and being as balanced as we can. Shad, I had a couple. Um, I guess Alabama's notes say they've won 88 straight against non uh, unranked teams, I should say. Mm -hmm. I mean, how impressive is that, that they just never seem to slip up or overlook anybody? They, they always, always take care of business, so to speak. Well, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's hard to win, period. And when, uh, regardless who you're playing, and, and to see that the streak that they've had and, um, you know, the, they, they get everybody's best each week. And uh, when, you, when you're ranked that high and, and have been that good for so long, you know, everybody, everybody comes in bringing their best. And uh, to see them, um, you know, week in and week out continue to, to, uh, to play at a high level and win, it's, it, it is impressive. It's, it's something that, that we strive to have our program at at some point in time, uh, as all programs across the country. That they, they pretty much have been the, the measuring block for everyone. You had said after the game that it wouldn't have been fair to put any of those younger guys in at quarterback. Uh, what, what kind of situation would you like to put them in, and especially a guy like uh, John Steven, who's already used his red shirt? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, put them in a situation like that, um, that late in the game. Uh, yeah, I just didn't, uh, it, it wasn't the time uh, to do that. Um, you know, I think there is a, a time uh, to do that. I think it's putting a package together. Uh, to be, we, we, we've got to be effective in running the football from the quarterback position. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's every part of our offense. When, when, we've, when we've excelled at a very high level, our quarterback has been a big part of our running game. And, um, and so we've got, to, we've got to do a good job of, of um, developing the packages to, to make that happen. You know, we worked a little bit with Traylon Burks last week and, or the last couple of weeks and trying to create some type of run from the quarterback position, but then we'll continue to work that. So, All right, Shane, so Chad Morris kind of keeping his cards close to the vest, but, man, it's kind of like you said, I don't know if Alabama's really the team you want to be rolling out a freshman, but, hell, they literally have nothing to lose here, and it, it just would be something to see if uh, KJ or, hell, even John Henry Jones, if he has a good week of practice, what have you, I just I would love to see Arkansas get crazy with it in this game. It's going to happen, Mike. I mean, 
I, I'm not saying that I I've already got Morris figured out, but I do. Okay, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna roll out Ben Hicks. Okay, for the first two series. And all of a sudden, he thinks he's going to surprise everybody when he puts KJ in. He really wants to see how well he does. And if he doesn't do well on one series, then he's out. But if he does okay, then uh, that's your new quarterback. So that is, I mean, he did this with Starkle. He did this last year with the other quarterback. So just, again, expect Hicks or or expect Starkle the first two series. Mm-hmm. And then KJ is going to come in series three. And then there you go. <laughs> man i can't wait to see it uh but all right shane that's all i've got from around the league you got anything before we hop off here no uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us uh tomorrow should be a little bit slower so i think we're going to be able to get into some of these reviews which mm-hmm. we do appreciate so if you got yourselves an iphone just get you a five-star rating uh be sure to get your reviews in tonight um and we'll be able to read those tomorrow okay uh really appreciate everybody hanging out with us we got some great football coming up this weekend hopefully there's not a monsoon everywhere i didn't even know it was supposed to rain so i i think we're do some uh, clear beautiful sunshine mike well speaking of those reviews shane we are at 299 we're one away from 300 I've been trying to incentivize you guys to leave a written review, five-star hearts on Apple, iTunes, podcast, whatever the hell it's called. But I'm going to do this, Shane, for the 300th one. If a koozie ain't good enough, Shane, I'm going to send two. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get them on. Let's get them on there, Mike. Let's get them on there and let them read their own review on the 300 spot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so whoever gets the 300th review... Uh, make it good, make it count, and uh, if you could send the audio clip, uh, well, we'll verify that you're the 300 spot, and then uh, you can do the audio clip, and we'll include it here on the uh, on the pod, man. There you go, Shane. Remember, we got orange, blue, black, red. We got purple, maroon, and we also got crimson. So get your requests mm-hmm. in, get your reviews in. We'll send you a koozie free of charge. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's going to do it for this one, Shane. We really appreciate all the listeners tuning in. Appreciate you, as always, joining me. That's going to do it, Shane. I'll catch you on the next one. And that crimson's not black and white stripes. I know a lot of people get those two mixed up, but it's just crimson red. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, for, what is it? 48-hour rule after this. I'm done with last week's game after this, Mike. I promise. I promise. Okay. okay. I got you. All right. I got you. All right. See, see you guys. Go balls. Go balls.